Hi, everyone, and welcome to Remaking Tomorrow, a series of conversations about the future of teaching and learning. I'm Ryan Rudzeski, here with Greg Baer. This is a podcast powered by Remake Learning, a network that ignites engaging, relevant, and equitable learning in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. On today's episode, we're talking with Lasse Lepiniemi, the executive director and co-founder of 100, a Finland-based nonprofit that seeks and shares inspiring innovations in education. Each year, 100 selects 100 pedagogically sound education innovations and helps spread them around the world through a network of educators that spans more than 70 countries. As we'll hear, 100 also spotlights particularly innovative geographical regions and compiles innovations by topic. Educators can turn to them for special reports on creativity, social-emotional learning, and more. Let's say, welcome to Remaking Tomorrow. Thank you so much, Ryan. It's a pleasure to be here discussing with you guys. Lasse, I'm so glad you've joined us from Oceans Away. For our audience, 100 is a global nonprofit working to improve education by sharing some of the best ideas from around the world. Lasse, you've worked with educators on every continent, including Antarctica. So can you tell us, from your global perspective, what do you see as some of the common challenges when it comes to education? What are some of the things that we're struggling with, whether we live in America or Africa or Asia? During the last year, especially during the time of the pandemic, our educators have been taking a giant leap towards online and distance and hybrid learning methods. And all of us have been sharing the similar kind of struggle and challenges when we have been adapting those new practices. And then at the same time, we want to provide meaningful multidisciplinary learning experiences for our students. Most of the educators are caring so much about their students that they want to do their best. And when they want to do their best, they are also very motivated to iterate and create new practices and solutions uh, how their students can be learning. Uh, so we're a group of educators who were thinking, like, how would it be possible to really show to the students what kind of work is done by scientists around the world. And they came up with this very clever innovation where they are taking online connections to rainforests, to Antarctica, different places where the work is actually happening. And they are able to show in real time with the real people, the students, how these different scientists are solving some of the challenging problems we are facing. On a related note, it's interesting that you brought up the emphasis on online and distance learning. That's something we've seen a lot of here in Pittsburgh. I'm curious about what are some of the other trends you've seen developing over time. You mentioned that educators on every continent are passionate. I'm curious, what are some of the things that they're passionate about these days? A lot of the folks that we talk to are thinking differently about wellness and social-emotional learning. Can you talk about some things, some trends that might be surfacing recently that maybe we weren't talking about five or ten years ago? Starting from the end of 2020 and then going throughout the 2021, we have been seeing a rise in the social-emotional learning innovations. It actually kind of like started when the teachers and educators were most likely starting to see how this isolation and school lockdowns were starting to affect their students. And they were starting to look for more solutions and practices that could support the emotional and, and mental well-being. But it actually roots back already to 2019, 2020, when there were some very good research 
published about the depression and some mental problems we are seeing with our young people. So it, it's not a new thing, but I think it surfaced education a little bit differently during the pandemic time. Then the second trend we are seeing a lot during the last year is the parental engagement. And with the parental, I mean like significant adults who are supporting young people's learning experience in different kind of settings, especially when the schools were forced to shut down or be in a distance learning mode. The role of the parents, it grows just so much and so quickly that especially the schools were having a very good working relationships with the parental community, they were able to achieve better results. And that's actually one of the research areas we have been taking for this year in the spotlight on parental engagement. And Lasse, I know Ryan and I are going to want to turn back to this very issue of parent and family engagement as we think about parents as allies in learning. Let's turn back to some of the broader work that you do at 100, because every year you're selecting some of the most fascinating innovations on this planet. I love reading them every year. I'm inspired by them. I'm provoked by them. So I'm about to ask you an unfair question, almost like selecting your favorite students or your favorite kids. When you think back over those lists of 100 from the past number of years, Can you tell our listeners two or three innovations that have stuck with you? Maybe they were particularly surprising or resourceful, maybe even counterintuitive. So what were these innovations? Where do they come from? And what makes them so compelling? This is one of the questions I'm always asked and I always hate to answer. And it's not because it would be so difficult to select innovations. It's because it's so difficult to mention only a few. And I think my favorites, they change from day to day. When I'm thinking about the situation where we are today with our educational systems, I would first like to point out innovations called Speed School. Speed Schools is a concept created to bring back to the public education system the ones who have dropped out. And they have been doing a remarkable work in Uganda and, and Ethiopia, refugee camps in Syria and in some other locations, especially in the African continent. And uh, what I really, really admire is the way how they have found possibilities to implement that system side by side with governmental public schools and be that supporting layer to bring those educational experience for the students who have been forced out of the school. And I believe the learnings from that innovation can be actually very timely when we are going to like now going back to a normal education mode uh, around the world and we have to be able to address the learning gaps. The second one which I could mention here is one I also love a lot and it's called My Machine. It's an innovation that Kids are creating machines by using the knowledge and the things they have learned at school. We have been very impressed by the tribe they have been having during this year, creating new possibilities for those kids who are also at home, how they can be creating new things using the pedagogical practices they have created for the schools. Lasse, when you issue these reports, these lists of the 100 best innovations each year, you do so not only to share them with educators across the world, but to help educators take them to scale. And I'm curious if you could share an example or two of how an innovation, you know, that maybe started in one classroom or one school or one city has since grown to impact kids across cities, across regions, even maybe across countries. 
the concept of impact and scale is, is something that we have been studying a lot. And um, if I'm now looking back to the year 2016, 2017, when we started to work with the Finnish uh, education innovators, and I would be actually quite shamed to look at those criteria we were having at the time. And I think we are slowly approaching a point where we can be giving more precise estimates of what kind of factors uh, there need to be that provide the possibilities for impact and scale. And the two things which are, which are very important are adaptability and flexibility. When the innovation is being scaled from one system to another, we all know that we have sometimes quite strict curriculum designs and curriculum guidelines how we are able to uh, provide those learning experiences for our students and when the innovation is working on let's say on that multidisciplinary level uh, creativity or critical thinking or, or something like that the teacher who wants to implement needs to be able to adapt that approach for the curriculum demands and desires of their school so that it not only provides the results the innovation can be giving, but also that it provides the result the curriculum is needing to be achieved. And those are the two main factors we have to be looking, adaptability and flexibility. This is Greg Baer along with Ryan Rydzeski. We're talking with Lasse Lepioniemi, the executive director and co-founder of 100. So Lasse, in addition to 100's annual global collection, you also spotlight geographic regions places where something special is happening in education. You've done a spotlight in Helsinki, where you are, one in Pittsburgh, where we are, and also Victoria, Australia, the country of Qatar, and regions like the Caribbean and Southeast Asia. So in creating these spotlights, what has 100 learned about how communities can work together, whether across cities, countries, or regions, to scale education innovation? The key word for improving the educational systems is always collaboration and experimentation. When we are looking at the educational experiences within our education systems, there is this highly appreciated and valued thing for equity and excellence. And we all know that it can be relatively easy to create a perfect school. You kind of like just pick the best neighborhood, you hire the best teachers, and you look for students who are motivated, and then you can have a great educational experience provided for them. But it's so much more difficult when you are trying to do that on a, on a system level. Because on the system level, you have to be creating those personalized learning experiences for the students based on their needs and based on the knowledge and know-how they are currently having. So that means that your teachers need to be able to have quite a big toolkit where they can select the best practices and solutions to be used in a classroom. When these locations you mentioned, like Victoria, Pittsburgh and Helsinki, all of them are sharing this kind of like big willingness to improve the system as it is. It doesn't mean that the system is currently bad. It just means that they want to go forward and they want to be thinking about new ways to do things a little bit differently and providing something that is needed for the community around there. In a locations where this kind of collaborative approach is reached, then magnificent and magical things can be happening. So, Lasse, in addition to spotlighting these systems based in geographic regions, 100 also spotlights innovations that address specific topics. So these are things like creativity. I know 100 released one on the visual arts, also social-emotional learning. And I want to ask you about 100's newest spotlight, which is about the topic you mentioned earlier, parent and family engagement. What exactly do you mean when you say parent and family engagement? 
what is it and why is it so important? So if we are looking at the parental engagement in the educational context, we know that it has been there forever, basically. And there are some different kind of definitions. We have been actually working closely together with the Center for Universal Education at Brookings to, to create the definition that would include not only the, the parents, uh, but also to refer for any family member, caregiver or guardian who cares for the health and well-being of the child. When we are discussing about the parental or family engagement, we should always be remembering that the family background and the situations with our students are different. So we have to be including this wider community of people who are supporting the learning experiences of the young people. And uh, then also one interesting thing about the parental engagement is that in some cases, students, we are also able to teach the parents. And that is very much true, especially with sustainability education or with the things like recycling, but then also with the ICT related skills. So uh, we shouldn't only be looking at this as a one way road, but we should rather be using the parental engagement as a possibility for lifelong learning not only for the students and teachers, but also for the parents. The innovations we have selected for the spotlight are also providing some interesting point of views to this kind of approach. So lastly, there's some words you've used that I want to underline. A moment ago, you mentioned the word forever, that parent and family engagement is forever part of learning. And you're absolutely right. There are some things that are timeless and classic even as we think about spreading innovation and learning. And then you also use the words magnificent and magical. I just love that, magnificent and magical. So when we think about the timeless role of engaging parents, families, and caregivers, and really supporting those adult relationships in kids' lives, what are some of the innovations that you're finding from around the world that are really uplifting parents and families and caregivers in magnificent and magical ways? So when we are discussing about desires and hopes parents are having towards education, we have to also look the culture and context where they are coming from. Uh, based on the environment, the parents are seeing the importance and role of education a little bit differently. For example, asking from a parents in the United States or in Finland what they hope that their kids could be reaching in their life, they are often saying things like that we hope that our kid will be finding a meaningful and uplifting career where they can be working for a long period of time. And if we go to some other countries, like in African context or in Asian context, the families and the parents are, of course, hoping that things would be in the best possible way for their kids. But they might be also raising up other kind of topics like placed in the labor market where they can be earning enough money, where they can be providing for the larger family. They might be highlighting or underlining the importance of science-related subjects, uh, engineering-related skills more than the families in European or American context. And I think this already gives a very fruitful starting point when we are looking at the innovations, working with parents and parental communities around the world. The approach they are taking is always a little bit different based on the values and goals uh, parents are seeing for the education. Lasse, how can people find out more about 100 and the work your organization is doing? Well, the easiest way to find out more information about us is to head to our website, 100.org. I'd rather advise you not to Google because 
I don't know why, but for some reason, a lot of people have been using the word 100 uh, in their writing. So it might be a little bit tricky sometimes to find our website, but go to 100.org and you are able to find hundreds of education innovations. And that's the word 100, not the number 100, H-U-N-D-R-E-D dot O-R-G. Lasse, before we go, just one more question, please. What's one thing that parents and educators can do today to make tomorrow a more promising place for every learner? I think we should be listening more. We want to so much make our school communities efficient and providing good results that sometimes we might be forgetting to ask from the young people themselves. What are they hoping for? from the education and what kind of things they would like to do. And we had a long discussion with one of our community members this week, and, and we discussed about how to include the student voice more into the decision-making processes and how we can really support them to be active citizens after their education. And I think the best thing to do is to listen to them and to act based on the things they are pointing out to us. Who else would be the better expert of the education experience than the student, him or herself? Remaking Tomorrow is powered by Remake Learning, a Pittsburgh-based network of people and organizations that ignite engaging, relevant, and equitable learning practices in support of young people navigating rapid social and technological change. Learn more at remakelearning.org tomorrow.